You are listening to the Improv Save My Life podcast, brought to you on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station. Alright, welcome to episode 20 of the Improv Save My Life podcast, brought to you on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station. Today I am joined by Just Suspects and house team member at Improv Asylum, Mr. Stephen Dewar. What's up, Steve? Hey, Tom. How's it going? Not bad, but before we get into anything, I gotta do what we always do when we see you, which is just give you, oh, you a little yeah. golf clap. Use. Story behind that is uh, we were taking level three, and Jeremy was our instructor, and Steve would often cut through uh, the classroom to use the video editing bay, and at a certain point, Jeremy would just start introducing. It was like Steve, do her, everybody, and we. Give him the golf clap. So now, anytime any one of us encounters him that was in the class, we just feel the need to give him the golf clap. It's it's perfect for me because it's both it's both honoring <laughs> and insulting all at the same time, which is kind of how I go through life. So it it feels appropriately like the right mixture of uh, emotions. It's weird because. When we first started doing it, we, I don't think any of us knew you or really talked to you, so it was just kind of like, uh, we were just doing this as a stranger, and he, it was just a weird, like, understanding, like, no offense, man. Yeah, I'd be walking on the street, and then all of a sudden, three or four people in a group smoking would start, Steve Door! Like, how do I, who are they? And I'm like, oh, they're from that class. It's awesome. Uh, me and so had talked about doing it together, but uh, uh, Somalia Almadi, uh, fellow Eagle Cup member, is on her way. Uh, she'll be here any minute, uh, but we had just got started without her. Uh, but we were going to do it in stereo, but it didn't pan out that way. So you got the single golf clap from me nope. today. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Stereo didn't pan out. I don't get it. Um, you, <laughs> you pan the audio level uh. from right to left. I didn't know that was what it was called. In stereo, yeah. Painting? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like some of those Beatle albums, that was like a big deal. They were the first when ones they, to really uh, kind of play with the stereo stuff. Sorry, just nerding out. I remember I used to listen to Beatles a lot, and they did have a lot of uh, some stuff that was coming out of left ear, some just out of there. You really don't notice it so much in headphones. It's kind of jarring almost. Anyway, <laughs> Steve, well, it's been fun. Steve Thanks, Tom. Stewart. What's going on, man? How I'm just doing? thrilled to hear, be here on Vinyl Hour. Uh, <laughs> I brought my uh, milk crate full of my favorite. For some reason, wax. I, I bought this MacBook, and I I don't know much about Macs, and I don't really get into changing settings and stuff. My default logo icon is like a old school record. Well, a record. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's what everybody's defaults to, or I uh, just got a cool one but it's not I think bad. my I think mine's a baseball. <laughs> so it must yeah. just be random. <laughs> or unless you chose the baseball. I might have. I might have. But I would have chosen a record too. That's those uh, you can't go wrong with either of those items. Right. So Steve, uh so you've listened to the podcast before. Yeah. Um based so you know the basic premise. So um do you want to just take me through um kind of where you're from originally? Um so I actually I'm from Boston. I grew up in Melrose and uh, went to high school there. And then I went to uh, Dallas, Texas to go to college. 
You went to film school? Uh, yeah, I, I double majored in English and film, two incredibly practical majors <laughs> to get if you want a career. Um, and uh, I, was, I, stayed, I stayed in Dallas for uh, basically my whole adult life. Um, and I was working in the film industry, and uh, then about three, four years... Oh, what? what were you doing in the film industry? Kind of everything. By the last 10 years, I was doing video assist, which it's... Uh, essentially what that is, is like if you could picture in your mind's eye, like the director sitting at his chair, staring at a little monitor, right. that's the video assist. So my job was... Uh, you know, for so for like movies and TV shows, it would be for setting up the director and if there's a producer there uh, with their monitors and making sure that they're plugged into the camera, our cameras. Um, and then on commercials, it would you'd also have to bring in the client and agency. So there was a little bit of a madman social. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was fun because it was always very different. Sometimes it could be like a food shoot and you'd just be sitting <laughs> all sitting on your butt all day doing hardly anything. And then, um, like I did Prison Break for a couple of seasons, and we would just be at you know some crazy location, uh, an eighty-minute drive from Dallas, call time five thirty in the morning, and then just running all day, you know. So when you were working on Prison Break, were you like, I hope this motherfucker never gets out? <laughs> just keep it going. <laughs> well, that, see, they had gotten out. That I wanted them to. I guess I. Then they get back in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that we've switched from the vinyl hour to prison break talk because we can get deep into this. Um, so the first season they shot in Chicago which, when they were in prison. They shot in Dallas for seasons two and three. First season was good. Uh, I Considering that seasons two and three uh, made me a living, I'm going <laughs> to just say, yes, yeah, season one was good. Uh, and so season two, they were like on the run. So that was just as a job a harder thing to do because we were in crazy locations all the time season three they got back in jail they were put in jail in i think panama did they get so that was easier because we, we had fewer locations did they get purposely put back in jail oh of course yeah yeah it, the ratings were going down and so yeah. i think they realized like we gotta get them back in jail there's a diamond buried under this jail yeah we just need time to figure out how to get at it yeah they there was a character who was beheaded and she came back to life because the ratings were going down. The, <laughs> she was like the love interest for the lead. So they, even though she had been beheaded, they figured out a way to have her actually stay alive. Hey. Nice. Somalia. Almaty. Hey. I missed the introduction. You said where you're from. I know. And now I'm going to remain a man of mystery for you. Sorry, I'm late. She is from Melrose, Mass. Oh, woohoo, Massachusetts. And then he spent most of his... Uh, Formative years? No. Mm -hmm. After formative years? I don't know. Uh, in He's Dallas. He's still in his formative <laughs> years. You, you picture me as a very immature 18-year-old, if you're calling those like formative years. Um, so we, we talked about his... Um, we basically talked about his time in Dallas, and then he worked on Prison Break. So we were talking about Prison Break for a, a couple minutes. The TV show? Yeah. Oh, cool. He was a video assistant. No. Uh, yeah, uh, video assist, uh, VTR. That's how, because it used to be, VTR is videotape record. So when they started doing the job, that was back in the old times when uh, essentially they would shoot on film and you wouldn't be able to see what you shot till the next day, uh, you know, for the, the term the daily. So the next, after the film got um, uh, developed, 
the next day they'd watch it. Uh, so they would, you would tape on videotape so you could see right away what you had shot. Of course, you know, over the last decade or two, now everything's gone digital and you could pretty much see it immediately. But what, was, what was big when you were like avid? When you uh, were starting out kind of? Yes, avid. And I mean, I actually, when I went to college, it was like right before they, my school was a little behind the times because they didn't get we didn't have Avid yet but like we learned to cut on film which seems so crazy and primitive now but you know razor blade would shoot things on 16 millimeter for class and then cut them up and tape you have to tape them together wow. <laughs> you hang if you've ever seen it like you know so you hang the film clips and you cut them it's, it's like it's like a picture of someone from old times doing laundry like hanging things mm-hmm. from the I have a Ghostbusters reference in my head Oh really? Ghostbusters too, I think. <laughs> With the he's hanging the pictures of no, just me. All right. Ghostbusters <laughs> too in a while. <laughs> that's how I know the evil guy in the painting. Oh um, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. What about Vigo, the master of evil, trying to battle my boys? What's up? That's not legal. Vigo, yeah. Uh, Bobby nice. Brown Boyer in the house. <laughs> right. um, but yes, I know what you're talking about. That's my reference. Um, Ghostbusters and Simpsons episodes. Yeah, well, wasn't I think uh, was it the Muppets great the Great Muppet Caper where they uh, there was some Muppet movie where a similar thing happened. They they had the evidence they needed, and mm. somebody the they were using a bathroom as a dark room. Someone banged on the door, and they opened the door. And it was like right. oh, we got it. Aw, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. not the worst. It's sad Muppets. So. <laughs> but you said film and tape. Those are definitely words I don't hear a lot. No, <laughs> yeah. Well. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that. Sorry, that, that was a setup. Yeah. Sorry. So, um, I guess keep taking me through your story. Uh, oh, well, so I came, um, so I moved back to Boston about four years ago. Uh, basically, you know, my family was up here and uh, I'd always intended I kind of had in the back. I never thought I would stay in Dallas as long as I did, but um, it was great. I loved, you know, I had a lot of great friends, and I had a, you know, it was really fun. But um, sort of uh, some circumstances worked out that made it make sense to come back to Boston. So I thought I would, you know, sort of go on to the next stage of my life and see what happens. And uh, well, you were in Dallas. Any improv or comedy type? No, um, I mean, I was always a comedy nerd, even as a kid. I love, you know, I was like obsessed with Monty Python and Woody Allen and Mel Brooks and the Zucker Brothers and oh, I used to love even like old radio comedy, like Jack Benny and stuff like that. I used to listen like that a lot as a kid and uh, like a total comedy nerd. Um, I did do... uh, Right after we graduated, me and a, 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 a guy I knew in college, we, we did a couple short films together and would submit them to festivals. And uh, we did do one uh, improvised movie, which this again shows how old I am. Essentially, it was a parody of a Cops, but this was before Reno 911. Right. So you can date that. But uh, it was ridiculous. But I keep thinking I should go and look that up again. But so that was my one random improv thing was that just us goofing around but I was always behind the camera other than that so what um so when you moved to Boston what kind of triggered your interest into getting to improv um 
Well, it basically, my uh, sister-in-law, I had uh, been co-best, co- so I have a uh, sister and two brothers, and I've been co-best man, man, co-best, co-best man, with my other brother for the, for, with one brother for the other brother's wedding. And, uh. Always a co-best man, they were exactly. just the best man. I've been co-best man twice. Oh no! <laughs> but best man once. Last year I was best man twice in a seven-day period. Locked it down. I was best man on a Sunday and then on the following Saturday. Well, I was co-best man for the second wedding. Anyway, so uh, that's You're that's popular guy. it's just more. Uh, it's like this is the deep cut. Proposed to a lot. You probably get like Steve. I don't. I don't yeah. want to say this. Yeah, really. I really consider you a good friend. Uh, could you maybe do me the honor of being one of my co-best men? I think, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I'm just it, pre- I'm just preloading this up for that, you know, for the future. Yeah. <laughs> you have very I, fair friends. I yes. Well, the, you don't want to choose. Last year it was both people from high school, but they uh, neither of them were invited to each other's wedding, not because they were. They had a problem with each other, but just they were from different worlds. So I was like, so that was kind of cool. I was like, oh yeah, I guess I like, you know, kind of involved in different people's lives in different ways. Mm-hmm. Was it Kadeem Harrison and Jasmine Guy? Tom, your references are out of control. <laughs> I know that it, you're talking about a different world, but I'm not sure why. He just said reference a different world. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. I was like, was it? Is he a best man? <laughs> He's co-best man for everybody. But no, I can Could actually totally see that with you because even with your... You're in lots of different improv groups, right? I feel like everybody has performed with you. Yeah. Somehow. Everybody's oh. performed with me. Yeah. I'm very... I get around. <laughs> you are on a ton of groups. Cause like, you're always at the wide shows. You always... I see you at Awkward Compliment a lot. Yeah, you they've been letting me perform with them a lot yeah. over the last six or eight months which has been awesome I mean there's nobody in Boston funnier than Mark I think everybody knows that so like uh, so to get to do a show with him and you know Ryan's obviously awesome so it's, it's really cool it's Ryan kind of was on house teams Tuesday and I missed his intro I was like uh-uh and Mark did his intro and it was funny but it still missed the authentic Ryan skipping across getting all excited thing it's not the same if they're not going to do their damn thing right. <laughs> And then he's been throwing this goofs and spoofs thing in lately. That's hilarious. He's oh, <laughs> like, we do 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 I can't even say it. <laughs> You're not going to have to carry yeah. on. He's like, <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> he does his intro. He's like, we do two types of comedy here. Goofs and spoofs. I don't think I've caught that yet. I, I have to see it. <laughs> Tom, uh, spoiler alert. Next time you want to tell us that uh, Ryan's throwing new material into his intro. I know, right? You killed it for us. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. That's Sorry. all right. It's an important part of the co- podcast when the host is cracking himself up and the other two people are just politely smiling at each other, and their eyes darting back and forth. I'm fist bumping over my different about? world references. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really proud of myself today. Mm-hmm. Very consistently, 80s, 90s, like family guy, like very consistent. I'm old, so Malia. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not, I'm not exactly super young either. I'm sorry, guys. I'm yeah. just. Ageist. <laughs> I know. I don't retain. I don't remember a lot. That's what it is. I don't remember a lot. So you you came back to Boston. Um, 
What? Did you say how we kind of got sparked into it? Oh, yeah. So, um, me, and my, me and my brother, both. so we both had to do the best man speech. And uh, so, as my youngest brother, uh, I made him go first because uh, I was being very devious. But uh, and he was hilarious. But I um, just killed and uh, I sound like such a maniac. <laughs> so it was one of the, well, it's devious because I, I just had a sense of I didn't want to go. I had, I, I just felt like whoever goes second is going to have a better time. You can always shit on stuff the, the first person said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. F. Well, right, then you know, which, yeah. So I, um, so that was fun. And, you know, you know, that's all year round is uh, family and friends, basically. So, uh, so. She had uh, sort of told me when I was coming back to Boston, like, you have to do... Oh, and we had... my um, So my brothers are comedy nerds, too. They're both probably funnier than me. They're just much... Uh, they're a lot subtler, but they're both hilarious. And uh, so uh, with my one brother, me, him, and his wife had gone to see... Uh, this is when I was still living in Dallas. We had actually gone to see some UCB shows in New York, and we saw this awesome... Uh, uh, there was an ASCAT that it was, so um, I think it was right before Parks and Rec was going to start, or maybe it, maybe they had just shot a little bit of it, but it was Amy Poehler was leaving SNL at that point, so she was there, Rachel Dracht was there. Still nice show. There's only a couple videos online, and there's one with Amy Poehler, Rachel Dratch. Oh, really? I think you've seen this too, no? The one Jackie sent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Oh, I'd love to. And uh, I think Jack McBride. Some people, like some Thirty Rocks cast members, like uh, Jack McBride. There's another guy who's really funny. Can't think of his name. Uh, he plays one of the writers. Um, I want to say. Uh, oh, the guy who's been on SNL for like ten years at this point. Curly hair, Jimmy something. I think. Oh. Uh. Bobby Moynihan. Bobby Moynihan. Yeah, Jimmy Moynihan. <laughs> uh, anyway. It was a really good uh, group, and I just had never been that into improv. Like, I like things, like, I used to really like old, uh, like I said, I was a comedy nerd. I used to really like old Firestein theater tapes, because uh, especially there was a record out that was their old radio show, and you could tell a lot of it had kind of an improvised feel to it. But most most improv, like, the times I've gone to shows uh, over the years, I just... I don't know, I normally just always felt a little too goofy or I just wasn't that into it. And then seeing this, it just blew me away. And uh, like I felt like it was like going to, if you hadn't seen sports and like getting like a front row seat, you know, seeing uh, Babe Ruth, you know, hitting off Pedro Martinez or something because it was just uh, seeing uh, Polar and Drax and even like you could see on like, oh, they were shooting each other looks. I was like, it just blew me. Like, oh wow, this is and I couldn't believe how funny it was, and so fast and so smart, and it was just like you walked away from that going. And plus, it's UCB, so it was five bucks. Right. But you walked away going like, that is amazing. I don't, you know, that is so much more amazing than than the hilarious things I've seen these women do on SNL. Mm-hmm. And That's, also, like Rachel Drax was like, oh, I always thought she was funny, but it's like, oh, she's, um, it's unbelievable the talent yeah. level. It even like. I mean, we do local improv. Uh, I'd say we're, you know, the lowest, not the lowest, but we're at the lower scale of improv performers right now. Um, Eagle come our group. Um, you know, we're getting better, but you take for granted when you see, like, 
people like the UCB people on TV, you're like, wow, that, that's good. But you don't realize like, how good that is until you're actually in it. And you're like, mm-hmm. You can see how quickly they're coming up with stuff and they're not, you know, there's very few mistakes. Or, oh, yeah. They're just, they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. So, uh, well, this is good. You're getting a typical Steve Doerr ramble right now. Sorry. <laughs> so, to answer your question. So, um, sort of like, you know, uh, it's like any family thing. Like, if you do something funny, like, it, so because I, you know, like, everyone's like, oh, you should be a stand-up comedian. Oh. So, um, when I moved to Boston, my sister-in-law's thing was, uh, she was saying, you have to take improv classes if you're coming back to Boston. I was like, oh. And especially because of what I said, I was like, I, I have no delusions I could ever do what those people did. That's crazy. And I'm under the impression that most improv stinks anyway, and I don't think I like it. Uh, but because at that point, moving back to Boston, I realized like, oh, other than friends from high school, I don't really know anyone here. I just family and, and right. seeing people who have been friends for a million years. So I started taking classes, and I honestly don't know why Improv Asylum, if I just sort of, if it was the first thing that came up on the internet. Yeah. But, uh, and. How long ago was this? So I think 2010. And. Uh, so you've been, you've only been doing it for four years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still pretty new. Really I guess, good. right? <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Thanks, huh? I, I mean, yeah. I I I can I really appreciate guys like you and Rob uh, Anderson that there's a lot of a lot of people will just go out there, kind of gung ho and just I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, but you guys have a different delivery, and you seem to kind of take a little more time and have uh, some smart responses. Uh, Thanks, Tom. Yeah, and uh, it's it's cool because I think you need that kind of diversity on the stage too, um, and it, it comes across well on stage. I mean, that's part of the fun for sure. Is like realizing, uh, like even suspects, like the different personality types, and like Dave Leone is very different from Brian Patterson. Is very different from Alex Kagi. Is very I different think- from Rob. Is very different from me. Is very different from Matt. We're all different, sort of flavors but everybody's really funny and and uh when it works it's just it's so it's just fun i think that's one of the things that makes the suspects uh really good and i like the suspects a lot um is the diversity of, of the cast and i mean made up of all white males but just yeah the, the yeah right yeah we're not <laughs> yeah 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 did you all meet each other in class yeah um so it was about level three or four uh, is when I first started. Like I'd say, my two f- my two first friends in in improv were Ashley Elmy and Alex Kagi. And the first couple levels, like you meet people and they were cool, but they were the first two people. I was like, oh my god, they're fucking hilarious. And, like you could tell, even like, oh, they're gonna. And of course, now they you know they both do NXT, and I mean, quite honestly, the only reason either of them doesn't end up in the main stage is if they decide to, you know, if they don't, they decide to go to New York or LA or something before that, because it's just inevitable, I would say. But, um, so yeah, uh, well, the way the suspects get started basically was, uh, surprise, Brian Patterson, who (laughs) I I think comes up a lot in your show, and uh, it's kind of a bad, you know, not much of a secret anymore that he is a secret genius. 
that uh, he's like the sweetest guy in the world and he's a very goofy personality, but he works so hard and he's so smart and he, he's just, uh, the suspects wouldn't still be a thing at all if it wasn't for Patterson. It's, he just, he works so hard. Um, so he was wanting to get, he was trying to get onto um, house teams. And so he basically, it was like typical Patterson thing. So he like put a thing together, was like, oh, I'm just looking to get a group of people together and we'll, we'll hire one of the uh, IA teachers to coach us and we'll just kind of meet as a group and rehearse to sort of like up our game. And then he invited a couple of us who had, I mean, I think I had only been on main stage. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry, this whiskey's making me crazy. <laughs> We don't fact check, so you can, yeah. you can yeah. say whatever you want. Well, at that point, I, I, I decided main stage is getting tired. I was going to leave it. Right. And just to Help kind this of... new ragtime. I want to, yeah. Like, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's make things exciting. So I reinvented myself. Uh, I'd only been on house teams for a few rounds at that point. But he was... So he was asking, and uh, you know, he was already pretty good friends with Kagi. So, uh, so he invited a bunch of us into... And so it started as a group that would just kind of meet up. And uh, then the next thing you knew, pretty much everyone was on house teams, and Patterson basically put the the uh, Wednesday hideout show together, and you know from there it just kept going and going. Nice, yeah. And now you have a big show coming up. Yes, I would love to. Uh, this is exciting. It's the first time in my life I'm actually promoting something. <laughs> yes. Uh, so at this point, if you have made it this deep into the interview. I feel like we should give them a prize of some sort. Like, what's a good tidbit? <laughs> I, don't know. Like, I, don't, uh, I think if, if you commit to listening to this, you're, you're pretty much in for the whole episode. I think people want to hear about Stephen Dewar. Oh, my no, God. I'm serious. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm blushing. Everybody listen up. Um, uh, April 11th, which is a Friday, and is in two weeks, I think, right? Yeah, two weeks from today. Okay, pass that test. Um, we, we have a show at the Hard Rock Cafe. We're really excited about it. And Jeremy Brothers is directing it for us, which is obviously a huge honor. Yeah. He, last year, he did uh, the I at Midnight. He invited us to the I at Midnight show. And he directed us. And it's, um, as anyone who's seen our Wednesday show, uh, our charm and <laughs> our uh, fault is what a sl- like we can be a bit of a mess. So, like, having someone like Jeremy, who's just so good at, at, at you know directing things he just knows how to make stuff work and put it together and make it seem I don't know professional so that's uh, huge oh anyway so so the push is uh, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock on Friday April 11th please go to justsuspects.com and I think that will direct you to the uh, to the website for uh, the Hard Rock to get tickets right. I believe it is cheaper uh, if you buy them online I got mine I got my tickets today if it's, they were 10 bucks each so well, thanks, Tom. No problem. This is going to be incredibly awkward if you haven't. <laughs> so uh, that's why I got them today. I'm like, fuck. I'm Tom, huh? How's it soon. going? Oh, you are. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is only soon. partially awkward between us <laughs> right now. All right. I'm definitely gonna go. Um. Yeah. So please come. And then there's a midnight. We're gonna the eight o'clock and ten o'clock are both gonna be scripted shows, sketch, and then uh, at midnight, basically kind of taking a page from. IA obviously since we're all sort of product we're all we are products of IA uh, 
we're gonna sort of our version of Ranch. I think we'll do something more. We'll do like basically improvise stuff at midnight, and I believe that that would be free to anyone who had tickets to the eight or ten. Again, uh, stealing from our big papa improv asylum. Nice. We're stealing the idea. Yeah, I bought tickets to the ten, so I could conceivably go to the midnight afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that should be fun. Well, in that case, I'm going to the ten too. Hooray! Yeah. I was going to buy tickets for midnight, but I didn't realize it was going to be a t- kind of a different thing. I yeah, I, I I could be wrong, but I think I think it's um, I they, I'm I sure it's the kind of thing where you could buy tickets for midnight, but I'm pretty sure it's free if you have tickets to, to the eight or ten. When I went to not that we have not that we have to get hung up on this, but when I went to buy the tickets, it showed the eight and the ten, and it showed midnight, but it had like a zero dollar uh, thing okay. next to it. So I don't know what that meant. Um, so I take back everything I said about <laughs> Brian Patterson. I blame him. What is he doing? That should be obvious and clear to everyone who goes on that site. Oh, well. So as far as where you are now in your career, in <laughs> In my career. <laughs> That's the funniest thing we've said all day. Hey. I'm actually really surprised, too, that you've only been doing it for four years. Yeah. I think really? you're very funny. Oh, yeah. thanks. I, yeah, I... I mean, that's my one regret as an old man is <laughs> I wish, I really wish I'd gotten you know, into it in college. You records earlier today, and I let that slide. Yeah. I said nothing, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm going to get it back. It, Go ahead. Uh, well, just that um, I, you know, I really wish I'd gotten into it when I was in my 20s or in college. Yeah. I so. did, too. I was just thinking of it, but then I thought, because when you were saying, you, I think you had been to maybe a show before, and it... Um, didn't really catch your eye at first. I think I would have had trouble just because I would constantly needed to be drinking at night. And, like, just even, like, having them, like, give me, like, like a two-beer limit. I'm like, I don't want to sit They're here. just throwing you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, you wouldn't have wanted to go. Is, I, I can tell us what's going on on stage if I can't get enough beers to quench my thirst. Uh, yeah, I think if I had seen the UCB show, like the one that yeah. you saw earlier, because me too... The improv shows that I had seen were more like, not that local improv isn't good. I've seen lots of good examples yeah. of that since I've started taking classes. But a lot of the improv shows I saw were not that great, and it's painful to sit through. Yeah, set, yeah, you know? yeah. And you don't, you're not exposed to it enough. To it's like anything, you know. If you hit the bad night and you don't go very often, you're just mm-hmm. gonna go. Oh, it's that's not for me. Yeah. And you won't give it a chance. Um, and it's funny, in a way, the, the UCB show, I mean, it was intimidating in a way, because that part of what I walked away from was like, oh, like <laughs> this appreciation for like, that is amazing. That was so good. But that is, and I, obviously, I'll never be at the level they're at. But, you um, never know, Steve. Oh, my God, Tom. <laughs> All right, now we've gone. Now, I was blushing before when he was complimenting me. Now I'm getting, now I'm turning, I'm like just staring at him like, now you're being sarcastic, you yeah. son of a bitch. This is a big joke. It's not funny. He invited me to this podcast. He did air quotes when he said that. Like, it was really like, obnoxious. Like a, like a, how would you describe uh, this civilly? I don't know. Very condescending. <laughs> <laughs> it I was think like how a, everyone knows you, Tom. It's the most condescending person. I think people are sick of you coming up glad-handing and like yeah. sarcastically slapping people in the Got back. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Puffing the cigar. Mm-hmm. Um... But, uh, that, that, but like, yeah, taking the classes here and like meeting people. And I know like that's sort of a theme of, of this show is, is, um, the improv community. So I'll also be uh, a dork and go into that. But yeah, just, it's, 
so dorky, but it's true. It's like, oh, I have this whole network of friends. It's like the f- I've always, ha- you know, I've been lucky that I've always had funny friends, but this is the first time in my life that I've a- I'm at a period where all of my friends are hilarious. Right. Most of the and most of them are more hilarious than me. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's awesome, and every you know. There's, I don't know. Now, I'm going to, some people suck. But for the most part, everybody's really great. <laughs> some people suck in the community, you mean? And yeah, well, it's like anything in life. There's some assholes. <laughs> but it's a, like the stereotype of like, you know, you always hear stand-up. Um, Dave Cook. That, that, well, that, that, you know, it's so cutthroat because it's, you know, that, that as a thing. And that was one of the first things that appealed to me about doing improv was, it felt more like, oh, this feels like somebody took when you're hanging out with your friends and you're just cracking each other up, yeah. you know, either doing bits or just sort of doing a running joke mm-hmm. or even just making fun of what you're watching on TV. Right. And they gave it a loose structure to kind of keep it in parameters. And uh, yeah, I used to watch, I love it, uh, Monday Night Raw, WWF with my, my best friend growing up. and. Uh, he ended up working for the WWF, but I could remember just because we'd watch it every week. So then we'd almost like make up our own storylines and just yeah. obscure facts about the wrestlers that weren't true. We'd just be going back and forth with it, like almost improvising everything about it. And you don't really realize you're improvising until you look back at it, you know, um, from the eyes of an improviser. Uh, but that's what. I think that's what you do with your close friends when you're, you're just fooling around and like somebody else will walk in the room and like, what the hell are you guys talking about? And you you don't even bother trying to explain it because it won't make sense. I think that's also what you do when you're a kid just playing make-believe out in the yard is just you're improvising. Like, you don't have, like, you're not Optimus Prime, but you can act like him and mm-hmm. you pretend to be him and she can pretend to be My, my Little Pony or whatever. Uh, I had a question. What a battle. My <laughs> money's on Optimus. I'm sorry to say, and it's also kind of like improv in that way that uh, similarly you had to be there. Like yeah. that's the one funny thing yeah. about improv. It's the ultimate you had to be there thing where you could. It's such just the moment. I find you could almost never explain yeah. something to someone and have it come off as fun. It's like I know this sounds dumb, but we were dying. It was so funny. And I do try to talk about a lot of stories uh, that have cracked me up on the show and they, I don't think they end up really coming across well but some of you you were about to say something yeah no, no, no. I, I totally agree with you guys um, yeah I don't know if it's similar I don't watch a lot of sports but sometimes I'll talk about it like that yeah and yeah. then he came out and he made this great choice and he made this great offer and like you should have seen it it hit it out the park and people usually don't get it um, but my question was related to that because you mentioned earlier that you think that you're not the funniest person in your family, but you're, you went on to do improv, and I'm wondering what you think makes a good improviser outside of being really funny. That's a good question. Um, That's a good question. I mean, I, I think you have to be sensitive I don't know if that's the right use of the word but you have to you have to have um, I think you have to have a little bit of emotional intelligence with other people because well like because like when you're I mean for me the thing like that I get like I, I feel like was one of the first things that when I started to experience is like oh my god this is like I just found some crazy drug basically this is amazing is 
when you're on that like silent communication between you and the people that you're doing it with and um so like emotional intelligence i guess would be like you know be having uh, oh, i can't blank out the word but uh empathy or or and or sort of being able to feel people's positions i was an english major and i'm about to be so uh inarticulate here but um I, I, yeah, it was just like, uh, yeah, anybody like, that does stand up could come on an improv stage and tell jokes and get a laugh. But if you can't read your partner and work with what they're yeah. doing and escalate it and make something better out of it, then you're really only serving yourself. And that doesn't. And I think it also leads to better scenes. Like, if you have, um, I mean, because, like, it's funny, you know. I'm not, I've never been an actor, I'm not a good actor, but I find that, like, a lot of times, if you just have a sense of, like, oh, what makes sense, what should I be feeling now, you, then you kind of know how to play it from there. I mean, it's, I guess it's just a big game of make-believe, but I don't know. So when you say other people's positions, you mean not just, you know, the other players on stage as they are in real life, but also the characters you're playing with. Yeah, I would, I, both. I mean, both, both, yeah. One, the the sort of reality you're creating and and being able to buy into that and what you should, what your reaction should be, what it would be, what makes sense. And then also, um, I guess they are kind of different things. They are different things, but, but, both, but both of those things that also, right, no, I mean, it's, once you start to get chemistry with people, it's so amazing. Like when you just know how to, you just know what they're looking for or what, you know, how to, how to, how to play with them. And, uh, and I mean, I still feel like the, as great for your ego as it is when you get a big laugh doing something, it, there's that certain satisfaction you get when you know you either just threw something in a scene that helped, like just when you know, like most of the people in the audience don't know this, but... <laughs> I threw him the ball, and he, because I knew when I did, he would fucking just slam dunk it. Yeah. And yeah, like John Stockton. Yeah, exactly. So it, I don't know. I don't. I feel that I successfully didn't properly answer your question. No. But I used a lot of words, <laughs> and I got us in a confusing state. No. And I defy anyone to explain what I've just said. Thank you. No, I like that. Do you have a uh, worse moment on stage you can remember? Oh man, um, I know. I should have thought. I should have thought of something ahead of time because you asked everyone this. Um, if you don't, that's fine. I mean, there's been some brutal shows, but I don't have. Yeah, I don't have anything specific. What about best moment? Uh I would say, off the top of my head, I'm going to say, uh, I'll name check Mary Largenton. When, uh, one of my very favorite house teams was, we had a, a team called Merrill's Youth Soccer, and I always like to selfishly claim that it was the genesis of WNBA, because most of, uh, most, WNBA was this hilarious, well, I, I don't know if they still exist or not, I think technically they don't, but, um, yeah. Uh, all female improv group locally, and uh, it was Mary, Ashley, Danger, 
uh, Aaron Barry, uh, Kelsey, uh, and other people. Oh, oh, just just Vicky Haynes. No big deal. She's <laughs> only in the main stage now. No big deal. And uh, there are other people too. But um, so uh, the way you know, usually the teams are balanced. But that team, it ended up. It was a couple. I don't know how it ended up, but it was basically five or six girls and me and this guy Scott Gregory, who's also a really great guy, a hilarious guy. And uh, uh, unlike people like me, Scott has a, a life and a wife and children, so he doesn't he doesn't do house teams anymore. And at that time, he wasn't able to make a lot of shows. A lot of times, it was just me and like the six girls, and it was awesome. It was such, and they're all so good. Um, so uh, I used to always say, like when I started doing improv, that that the perform like I was thinking of myself as a shy person I was that the performing was like a necessary evil to getting to do improv but uh, and so things like that was what that was one of the first groups Mary and I had did it basically did a rap battle nice and I love rap battles it was so out of my wheelhouse probably still is but especially at that time and uh, and it was just so fun and we won a housey for it, so it's very impressive. Only oh, I didn't know we had their house. Uh, yes, that's an award ceremony that no longer <laughs> exists. I'm not sure why, but uh, no, they sure. used to at the end of the year they used to like give out like Dunbar Mifflin uh, awards. So what was the award for best rap? Battle? We won uh, best scene. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So people who were there that night kind of have to remember it, I guess. Yeah, it's why it's a goofy thing. They would uh, sort of like at the end of of that term or whatever you would want to call it, they would they would you know be have people nominate MVP uh, and best character, best scene, best line, but you know different nice. goofy words like that. But uh, that was like a, a real fun. It was like a real like. Exciting. <sighs> I wish it's too bad he doesn't edit this show because if he did, I would plead to cut and let me try to give the answer better. But that was that was like a like a really great uh, moment. How's the award winning moment? Yeah, yeah, and it was fun and just like it was one of those like we were also. Uh, you know, there's that that delicate balance of like it's fun when you're kind of when the two. It's a thin line. Like, when the two people on stage are kind of messing with each other a little bit, if it's in a fun, playful way, I think it's really fun for the audience. And then sometimes you'll see it, and you'll realize, like, oh, that one person's just being an asshole, and they're calling them out in a bad way. Or, put like, you can tell when it, that's when it stinks. But in this, we were, like, having fun, kind of trying to put each other on the spot, making each other rap. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. I love that. I think your group generally has that. Um, vibe to them. Every time I see you guys oh, on stage, thanks. yeah, you you're always kind of uh, got a half crack and a half smile. <laughs> it's, it's Thank cool. you. Um, can I throw in one quick question? Yeah. Um, so I have a memory question. I'm curious. When you said your sister thought you were really funny growing up. Oh, my sister-in-law. Your sister-in-law. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, that changes my question a bit. Yeah. But I want. I wonder. Um, if you have a memory of making your family laugh or when you first felt like you were funny, maybe it wasn't your family, maybe it was people at school. I don't know. I mean, I certainly would, I think like I was never the class clown or anything. I don't, I think I, I always have felt that I had 
more of a great sense of humor than was actually necessarily funny, if that makes sense. Like, um, uh, I don't know, but you know, I used, I haven't thought of this in forever, but, um, me and, uh, my best friend in elementary school, we used to make comedy tapes in elementary school. Like audio tapes? Yeah. And, uh. What's a tape? I'm just kidding. Oh my God. You <laughs> and I, are I remember mean. I was not that young. You are very mean. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't think, I know we thought we were hilarious, but I guess that's not really exactly what, what you're talking about. about. No, no, I like that. Well, and this is going to sound really pretentious, but um, later, like when I was in junior high and I started seeing reruns of SCTV, I was like, oh my God. That, that, so the premise of SCTV is basically that it's a network. And so um, all the sketches are basically the programming for the show, programming on the network. And then also it's kind of behind the scenes, some of the characters, mm-hmm. you know, the owner of the network. And John Candy played this guy, uh, Johnny LaRue, who was, anyway. Uh, that was, we, basically stumbled that was our format was that it was a radio station and uh we were kind of playing reoccurring characters doing everything we did was under the guise of being a show on the radio station that's cool i like that yeah i should try to find those tapes but i don't know if they're around anymore um that's yeah no that's exactly that's you maybe it was or you know what honestly maybe it'd be my my sister-in-law and brother's wedding Oh, the that, speech you gave. Yeah, you know what? That 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 uh, that's the answer to your question. That is your question because yeah, that was like I I knew that um, I knew that I had been really funny. I was very proud and happy, and plus it was happy because you know I, I love my brother. I wanted to like you know do a good job. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's okay. I like my brother. I love the laughs. So what I want to do next is uh, the made up movie game. I'm just gonna play. Um, a couple seconds of whatever the next song that comes on my iPod on shuffle is. Um, you'll use that title um, to make up a, a brief plot synopsis of a movie uh, as if you're watching on Comcast, you hit the info button. And then from there, we'll just do a scene from that movie. Okay. All right, so this song is All Apologies by Nirvana. So, song's not all that important, just the title. Did you, was that random or did you do that on purpose? No, that is random. Because <laughs> it was from somewhere so people are laughing their ass <laughs> off because stereotype of me is that I apologize and say sorry a lot. Me too. Yeah, that's, that's you're in good company. You're sober, you're our Steve Dewar. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Compliment, compliment taken, Tom. Are you the oldest one in your group? <laughs> that would be me. That's We're like a hybrid over here. It takes two of us to make one doer. Oh, man. I don't know what to think of that. You would be our baby. If we had <laughs> oh, wow. No, I'm really <laughs> bursting with emotion. Man. Yeah. An old apologetic baby. Yeah. Most of his genes, I guess. I want a bottle. I'm sorry. I'm just thirsty. Uh, so this movie's going to be the, uh, uh, the biographical story of Steve doing I'm kidding. I have so I have to. Uh, I feel like oh yeah. So what is improv? All right, so I have to come up with a premise under yeah. the premise. All apologies. Right. Uh, 
in a world where everybody's brash and rude, and the only way to get things done is to take it into your own hands, one man would be very, very sorry. Coming to theaters this spring, all apologies. All right, now I need to give specific... Uh, no, I think that'll do. Oh, really? I feel like I cheated. <laughs> all right, so it's like a... Dystopic. I can't say the word, but it's like a 1984 George Orwellian future, and uh, everybody, uh, the way society functions, everybody is uh, rude and they don't apologize for anything. And this guy's a rebel leader because he's constantly apologizing, and it's disrupting society. Okay. Marsha, George, get in my office right now. Ugh, what do you want, asshole? You were late for work? Uh, yeah, I'm late for work every day and your face is ugly. I don't call you into my cubicle. Hey boss, I'm on a <laughs> I want to apologize for Marsha being late. What, what was that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't understand. <clears throat> I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Spanish? I, no, I know I'm really sorry. I should what? explain. She I think it's I French. French? Are you from France? No, I wish I wish I was French. I just I, I didn't you know, I didn't learn any I didn't. I didn't focus and learn enough foreign languages He's not in very school. Smart. No. I sit next to him. He's quite dumb. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, if I if I could settle down and, and focus, I just I just watched too many movies and I should have. One second. One second. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was interrupting you. You do what you got to do. Siri, look up the word sorry. To apologize for. It. I still got nothing. Hey, right, go go on, go on. I'm sorry that Siri didn't give you an adequate Maybe answer to, to that question. Are you saying? I, are you trying to say Siri? No, no, sorry. Like the board game Child's Play. Well, I I was uh, I was out uh, spelunking, which is my hobby, and uh, I found this old treasure chest, and inside it was a, a dictionary from a long time ago. And a paper I'm sorry, but I discovered yes, and uh, I just found a word that helped me express how I feel all the time. And I'm just really, really sorry that I couldn't have shared it with you guys earlier. I think that would have been better. Bring me this paper manual. I'm sorry I didn't even think to bring it ahead of time. Okay, I'll be right back. I'm sorry. Just just forget. Forget the manual. What I need from you guys is sprockets. Spacely sprockets. They're coming for our business. Marsha? You've always been the best. Wow, I'm not used to people saying that around me. Right. You've been slacking lately. Marsha, I'm sorry I didn't tell you were the best before he did. I'm sorry. Can you, I, I don't understand what you're saying. What uh, Boss, I'm sorry, for a, I'm, really I, I'm sorry for interrupting while you were talking to like Marsha. slang? We don't really talk in slang in the office. Yeah, look, about the Sprockets thing, um... I apologize! That's a more formal word. I, I, you, I'm sorry, you're right. Sorry is kind of slang. I apologize. I apologize so, here's the issue. for the slang. There's an, inside, there's an insider giving out all our info. Okay. And can we hire a translator for this guy? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we need some, so, something. Yeah, I can't communicate with him if he's going to keep I'm sorry, guys. Uh, you're right. Yeah, I I, I, it's my fault. I'm not, I, I, I'm not communicating properly, and I... I yeah. deeply, deeply apologize for that. I'm really sorry. Oof, he's long-winded. All signs are pointing to one of you as being the insider that's that's tipping off the the other company. 
Now, if one of you could somehow communicate to me... Call me a mole, asshole. I'm not a mole. I like that you're up front. If one of you could communicate to me that you somehow wish that this didn't happen and that you could take it back somehow, I would gladly... Well, boss, I'm really torn here because... I'm sorry, but you're, 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 you're asking for two separate things because you don't want me to apologize anymore but you're really you're asking for me to apologize i'm so sorry to call you out on this spot but i do want to apologize that i did yeah and i'm really sorry about that but they offer like amazing benefits over there so back to france man yeah get get the hell out of here is this i'm sorry seriously you called us both in here you're you're comparing me i I wish i had a way to communicate that Mm -hmm. i wish i didn't call you in here and waste your time. You did waste my time. If, if I could somehow say some kind of word to express this, I would, gladly. If only we had a word. I am so sorry to interject here, boss, but there is a word. What, what, sorry. What's the word? Sorry. What? Who's on first? Sorry. Sorry is the word. I think you got your answer. Sorry. Fancy. Right. Who came from Parker Brothers? <laughs> so, um... I'm... Very sorry. <laughs> is that game typically just one scene? Uh, I've been kind of doing it to one scene. Okay. I've been honing it because for a while, um, I think it's fun. Like that would be really weird to. I, I, like I'm sure it's not that hard, but it's such a foreign concept right now. The idea of like trying to actually tag out, tag in while sitting here and just yeah. sort of doing that'd be kind of fun. I, I almost said cut to win. Uh, yeah. Inspired. This is coming. <laughs> And um, this is cool because this is um, when you said you listened to Jack Benny and you did your audio tapes. This yeah. is what it was. Yeah, much, right? yeah, that's yeah. true. I was thinking about getting me back to my roots when you said that because a lot of times when I'm in the studio recording it, it's you know you're like oh, I don't know how that came out, but when you listen to it back, it does sound like an audio uh, play from like the um, AM radio era, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they come up better than. We think when they're doing them. Yeah, I, I've seen. Um, that one didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing to do with Doer at all. I was like, how do I get out of this? Scene? <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> so I was listening to the Pixies prior to that, um, and that was legit the, was the next song that came on. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't want you to think Which it was song? Set up. Uh, what was it? Where's my mind? Oh, wow. And shuffle. All apologies. Um, You know, it's uh, incredibly not interesting, but I'll tell you anyway that when I saw Nirvana live, the Breeders, Kim Deal's band, who was the bassist for the Pixies, Pixies. opened for them. Weird. Did they do Cannonball? Yes. They must have. Yes, they definitely did Cannonball. (laughs) They definitely did Cannonball. All right. Um, Do you have anything else you want to touch on? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm like, <laughs> I have a wasted opportunity here. So I was very excited. Tom was like, can you co-host Friday? And I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> he was like, Steven Dewar. I was like, I'm there. I'm there. How did I not notice this bell before now? I should have been utilizing this the entire time. I know. We could have, next time. Tom, ask me one more question. <laughs> so Steve, when you first got into Nope. You son of a... No. Nope. 
just just real quick for the podcast sake, just one more question. Um, okay. When you first got into, him, <sighs> you're not gonna let me ask that question, are you? I've got one question. I'm only gonna communicate with the bell. bell somehow helped yeah. conjure up other things. Um, looking forward towards the future, like what are you hoping? Um, what do you see yourself doing? Uh, not just as just suspects, but yourself. I, you know, honestly, I don't know. I don't have any delusions of uh, grandeur. Grandeur, yeah. But um, at this point, it's just so fun. I mean, that's why I always describe it to like my, you know, older friends, or you know, sort of like if I tell people like, oh yeah, since I moved to Boston, I got really into improv. Uh, it's like I just feel like I found I found like a passion that I love. So it, at this point, uh, you know, I'll take as far as I can go. But I don't I don't have a master plan. I'm sorry to admit or anything like that. And I don't you know I don't know how much farther I'll be able to take it. But I just love at this point I just love doing it and I love the scene. It's just fun. It's like you know it's all my friends now. I love it and yeah. uh, so. I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to figure out a way to, you know, make a living doing something. I obviously improv. You really, I don't think I'd be able to. I'm not at that level that I'd be able to do that. But writing and comedy or something. I don't know. Yeah. You don't think you can make a living doing improv? Like if you were main stage here or something, top classes here. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I. Yeah. You sound pretty open. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be. I'm not against it. I don't know. I don't know that I. I don't know that I would be good enough to make it. Honestly, mm. like I feel like I'm just a level below. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I see where my ceiling is. You're still kind of along for the ride. Yeah, but that's a bad phrase, isn't it? Along for the ride. Um, <laughs> I. I'm in the moment. See, that's a way more positive way to look at. It. I'm in the moment. Ooh, and it's kind of an improv thing too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just see, you know, uh, like I, uh, you know, ha- me, me, Kagi, and Patterson are all doing single ladies, which is crazy. Yeah. And so stuff like that, like you just. But could you have seen yourself doing that a year ago? No, not at all. So I'm still, I was still, still. I was super honored when. Yeah. Jeremy asked me because I again I don't think of myself as a performer at all and so it was like there's a lot of you know it's kind of a crazy role it helps that the you know the people in it before are all you know it's people like Brian DeBello and Mark for God's sake so like you know uh, it's good footsteps to follow in but that's good it reminds me of Get ready for this podcast, listeners. What Trevor said in one of his podcasts about being open to taking um, detours and kind of having a goal in mind, and then you're doing single ladies, and then you're doing Hard Rock Cafe. So sounds like you're reaping all the benefits. That's great. Yeah, I do. I feel like a lot of stuff's falling into my lap. So anyone who sat through this, they now get to. (laughs) That's the secret. This twist. M. Night Shyamalan ending is everything falls in Steve Dewar's lap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Alright, so do you have Osoma? 
Do you have anything you want to plug? It's probably the same stuff as me, unless yeah, you have secret projects. I, I, don't know. I am along for the ride. What I'm plugging is what you're plugging. <laughs> so you can you can do the honors. So for Eagle Come shows, uh, we have uh, we're running our first show ever at Maggie's Lounge in Quincy on April 23rd. Um, we also have a cage match at IB and uh, awkward awkward compliment date coming up. I don't know the dates off the top of my head. I got that. Um, so, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You. Go ahead. First, on April 11th, go see the Just Suspects uh, at the Hard Rock Cafe. Thank you. At 8 o'clock and a 10 o'clock show. If you buy tickets for either one of those shows, you get into the Midnight Show for free. So, bonus, fantastic show, different content at midnight. You can get them online, right? At JustSuspects.com. That's right. And... Eagle Come, our group, will be performing at Awkward Compliment on April 10th. Um, that's at the Somerville Theater. That will be at 8 p.m. That's on a April, Thursday night. That's on Thursday night. And then on April 18th, that's a Friday night at 9 p.m., you can see us in a cage match at Improv Boston in Central Square. And on April 23rd, which is a Wednesday night, we will be in Quincy at Maggie's Lounge. Um, Time to be announced, I think, still, right? Yeah, I'm thinking eight. Can I buy tickets for that online for Maggie's Lounge? No. Okay. Buy them at the door. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, this is free and open to the public, guys. We have lots of cool groups, um, both improv and stand up, lined up. And this is our first hand at trying to. uh, And sadly, cage matches are pretty much dictated by who shows up to support which team. So, hey, if you have any love in your heart, for these two knuckleheads. If you you should go see their show and vote for them. <laughs> if you don't want me to start drinking again. Oh, man, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I can't stand to lose another cage match. <laughs> I'm starting to realize I should not have given you a ceremonial bottle of whiskey as a congratulations <laughs> for doing so many podcasts. Yeah, Sorry. That was bad. Guys. Gift yeah. is a gift. Sorry. You're slurring over here. <laughs> you know. Apologizing. It was a huge mistake. You, uh, do you have anything you want to uh, promote? Um, the Hard Rock show has been... Yeah, we've, we've, we've pimped Hard Rock to, to death. But seriously, guys, if you're <laughs> friends of anyone in the Just Suspects, you should come because we're going to be really humiliated if we don't sell a lot of tickets. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then you get the win. And it's... Oh, by the way, it'll actually be a very funny show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you have the Wednesday hideout shows. Yeah, thanks to uh, my boy Brian Patterson being the workaholic genius he is. Yeah, so we have the Y Comedy Show in the uh, YMCA Theater in Somerville, which you guys are obviously a part of on Monday nights. Uh, Tuesday nights, everyone in Just Suspects is on house teams here at Improv Asylum. Wednesday nights, we have the um, uh, Woodstock Wednesday Show at the Hideout in Faneuil Hall. That's always a fun show, and it's free, so... What can you say about that? It's uh, a great show. Yeah. Thank you. Thursdays, I usually get to perform with Awkward Compliment. Those guys are fucking awesome, obviously. And uh, that's at the Somerville Theater. And then Fridays, I just sit around and apologize. <laughs> nice. All <laughs> apologies. All right. Uh, thanks, Soma. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Soma. <laughs> Rest in peace, non-improvers. Bye.